All right. Good morning. Well, every year about this time, millions of businesses, stores, homes, churches, and yards start to unpack their nativity sets. How many of you have a nativity set? All right, how many of you have more than one nativity set? All right, here's the kicker. How many of you have an outdoor nativity set? <laughs> yes, we have some winners here. As we, we just, the season kicks in and all these displays start going up, I'm reminded of a very special site we had. I was a pastor for 12 years in Buffalo, New York area. And some of our friends at the church introduced us to a Catholic priest downtown Buffalo whose hobby became collecting nativity sets from all over the world. His name is Father Roy, and currently he has 670 nativity sets from 61 different countries around the world. In fact, his dilemma now, honestly, is he has so many sets, he can't display them all at one time. But it was neat when my wife and I got to go down there once to his parish hall and, and see these. And one of the neatest things was just to see the nativity through the eyes of different cultures. And, and in some of them, they could only make a nativity out of what was available to them. And some of the resources were pretty humble, but they still made what they could with what they actually had. Here's one that they only had bottle caps, but using bottle caps, they made a nativity set. And I love what Father Roy said about all of these. He said, what these are is a concrete expression of how people will take whatever they have, wherever they are, as a way to show what has deep meaning to them, as a way toward comfort and peace. There's just something about gazing on and setting up a nativity set. It's serene. And so what we are going to do starting today, and as Sarah mentioned, all the way through January 8th and 9th, the epiphany when we celebrate the coming of the Magi, is we have a nativity set here, and we are going to set up a different piece each week, including some surprise pieces who are in the nativity story but in our sets, for whatever reason, aren't in the sets. And so we'll see what surprise pieces we also have as we build our own set. And so I would invite you, if you've done it already, that's okay. But what if this year you did your nativity set a little different? What if each week we together only put up one piece rather than putting the whole thing out at the same time. I love where uh, 
Father Roy got this idea, this heart from his growing up. His mom put the base stuff on one side of the room and on the other side of the room had the other figurines. And as Christmas got closer, she would move the figurines across the floor closer and closer until it was Christmas Day. Well, we have our own nativity box that we are going to begin unpacking. And do we have a young volunteer in our midst who wants to come open the nativity, unpack the box this week, see what figure is in there, and even put the figure in the set for us? All right, come on up. Yes. So here, I'll just take out the first bar. So go ahead and open the box. There you go. Oh, so pull it that way. There you go. What do we have? Unwrap it. All right. Thank you. And I'll go ahead, and there's a little slot there that it will fit and put it anywhere. In this, no, up on top. Yeah, you can stand it in here. Who is it? Mary. Yeah, thank you. You start on your name. Wes, thank you so much. Wonderful job. As we, as we unpack Mary today... We can't help but marvel at God's grace. And so as we look at this narrative one, we're actually going to see narrative from Luke one. We're going to see four special characteristics of God's amazing grace. The first characteristic is simply that God's grace permeates all of real human world history. Look at how Luke begins. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee by the name of Nazareth, to a virgin who was engaged to a man by the name of Joseph, who was from the house of David, and the name of the virgin was Mary. Note the historicity of the nativity. The biblical narrative does not begin once upon a time as if this were just a fairy tale, nor does it begin long, long ago in a place far away. It was said as if it were a legend. But as you look at those words in verses 26 and 27, what we see is it takes place at a specific time Elizabeth is at the end of her second trimester in a specific region, Galilee, in a specific small agricultural village, Nazareth, to a very specific couple, Mary and Joseph, from a very specific lineage, David, a very specific messenger, the angel Gabriel, was sent with a specific message from a specific sender, God himself. See, what we have is this grace of God that is invading, that is permeating, that is guiding all of history according to His will and purpose 
and plan. So the nativity is not just a story. It is part of the story. Because there's only one. And it is God's story. And it's God's story, not just from beginning to end, but really from eternity to eternity. And so it's that story that we see characteristic number two. And that is the grace of God chooses the undeserved. Look at how Luke continues. He says, Gabriel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O one who is graced. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly perplexed at the word and was pondering what kind of greeting this might be. So Gabriel said to her, Stop fearing, Mary, for you have found grace with God. God's grace is the operative word in the nativity. It's the agent. It's the initiator behind the entire thing. And notice both times that the word grace is used, it's passive. Meaning Mary was a recipient of God's grace. She was a vessel of God's grace. She was not a well or dispenser of God's grace. And so that this grace that comes to Mary is not because of anything inherent in her. It's not because she has some pre-qualifying characteristic or morality or piety or holiness. It is sheerly because of the goodness of God choosing this young girl. And isn't that how God works with us? His grace chooses the undeserved. So that even today, if someone asks you the question, are you a Christian? We can say something like this. Yeah. <laughs> yes! It's a miracle! Can you believe it? In all of my sinfulness and smallness and flaws, God chose me to be his child, to have faith in Jesus Christ. It's nothing short of a miracle. It's God's undeserved grace. The same grace that chose Young Mary is the same grace that has chosen you and has chosen me. His undeserved grace. And when God, in His grace, chooses you, God's grace only gives you the very best. Look at how Gabriel continues with Mary. He says, Behold, you will conceive in the womb and bear a son, and call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's house forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And Gabriel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. At its core, Christianity is not about going to church. It's not about just believing or saying the right creed. It's not about having the right kind of lifestyle. At its core, Christianity is about the God who gives you his very best. Look at this divine ultrasound that he reveals to Mary about the child that is coming. Son, God's own son, Jesus, great, the Greek word there, he's going to be mega. He's son of the Most High, David's heir. We have a king coming forever. He's the Holy One. He is the very Son of God. Even though this entire conversation is between Gabriel and Mary, what's the focus of the text? It's about the coming of God this child everything you need everything i need not just for this life but even for the next it's all right here in this child and that my friends is god's grace who only gives you his very best. And last but certainly not least, when we talk about God's grace, it is clear it has no bounds. None. Look at his words as he continues to marry. Gabriel continues, Behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And look at how Mary responds to such grace of God. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. She responds to God's grace with faith and humility. You see, at the end, I have put a very specific word. Because whenever we talk about the grace of God, we have to add the so on the end. Elizabeth 
is biologically way past being able to conceive a child in her old age. But you see, with the grace of God, we have to add the so. Or Mary, this young girl, 12, maybe 13 years old, is going to conceive by the Holy Spirit without an earthly father? So? Or young David, right? This child comes from the line of David. Young David, a teenage boy, without any armor, who was going up against an undefeated nine-foot giant with armor and a sword, and he had just a sling and a stone? So? Or Jesus, how are we going to feed these thousands of men and women and children? We, we only have five loaves and, and a couple of fish. So? Or Lazarus? who was already dead in his grave for four days. So, or our own Savior, who would be in his own grave for three days. So, you see, whenever we talk about the grace of God, whenever you talk about the grace of God, you have to add the so. And so where are you right now? What are you facing in your life where God's grace compels you to add the so? But you don't know what the doctors have said. You don't know what rumor is going around the office at work. You don't know what just came out in the pulse or the latest email from St. Peter. So, for nothing will be impossible with God. I love what J.J. Oosterzee said. As he reflected on this passage, he said, The laws of nature are not chains within which God is bound to act. Rather, they are threads which he holds in his hand and which he shortens and lengthens at will. As we ponder this start of the nativity story. The questions I want to leave you with as we unpack Mary today is first, where do you marvel most at God's grace in your life? And the second one is, in what area of life do you most need to believe that nothing is impossible with God. Where do you need to add so? Talk about that with those you are gathering with, those who are at home with you, or even in yourself, your journal, your Bible.
and then we'll continue with the service after these moments.